I've got a message for you today that is so intensely personal, but yet at the same time, it'll change the world. You know, I've been telling you that I was going to continue to teach you on giving because giving is such an important part of our lives. Finance is such an important part of our life, and that ought to be a part of our discipling. And I started out at a very personal stage, which is appropriate. I talked about God uses investment or where we put our finances as a way of having our heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, Jesus put it. And so it was about personal intimacy with God. Without that kind of giving, you'll just never have that kind of closeness. And then I talked about you know, the blessings that are, are in store for all of us, but it requires, you know, bringing the tithe into the storehouse and see if I do not open for you the windows of heaven, God says. So evidently there's blessings that you'll get when you tithe that you won't get if you don't. <clears throat> God's always blessing us, but there's a certain section of those that he'd love to give us. And then I talked about how all of us want to know that our money's making a difference. And so we planted in a church that's changing the world. Because he will do, watch this, with all of us what we could never do with just our guided giving personally. It's, it's part of being a group. And, 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 but, I, but I want to just do one more today. I had a couple of conversations that involved Northland this week that if you could have heard them, your head would have exploded in a good way. God is about to do something with his church all over the world, and Northland's going to play a key part in this that will literally change the world and change our country. I truly believe that. And that's why when I give, I'm not giving just to build the kingdom. I'm building, I'm giving to build, rebuild our nation. You, you understand, everybody gets all honked off about politics. You understand politics can't change anything. I mean, politicians vote on the basis of polls, for crying out loud. It's not the politicians that are wrong, it's us. They've asked us what we've thought, and they'll vote whatever, what, whatever way we say. It's not, it's not the politicians that have left the Lord, it's us that have left the Lord. How do you get an entire culture back on track? Relationship by relationship. You're about to hear this. You're about to hear the secret here. But I believe that there's something new that is happening and that if we want it to happen, we're gonna invest everything we have. You know, at the foundation of this country, the Declaration of Independence, The last few lines of that say, in support of this declaration, in support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we do mutually pledge to each to the other our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor. There's a moment 
And we have to rebuild this country, watch this, from the inside out, not from the top down. From the inside out, from the inside out. And so when you give to the Lord, especially here, that's what you're giving to as well. Let me go into the message and, and let me give you the context. I told you before and I'm going to keep telling you because you need to hear this repeatedly. God wants this, 2015, this year, to be the best year you've ever lived in your life. And he wants it to begin the best season you've ever had in your life. Now, in order for that to happen, we got to do things a bit differently, don't we? Because we just keep doing what we've always been doing. Things aren't going to be any different. And if God wants you to have the best year you've ever had, regardless of your circumstances, that's a big deal. You are bigger than your circumstances. You're more significant than your circumstances. You're more powerful than your circumstances. Your purpose will work in any circumstance you've been given. There isn't any circumstance that can take you down. And so, and so our well-being do not, does not depend on our circumstances. But in order to rebuild, to reboot our lives, we've got to start with God, with who God is. And we've got to rebuild our community, the people around us on that basis. So, this is who we believe God is. I am, remember that's how God revealed himself to Moses in the desert, I am. And so, what's the first step? We start everything with God. We start every day with God. We start every day by saying, Jesus, it's you and me today. Remember that old story I told you, very true, that life is a puzzle. But it, it's, it's, its assembly depends on getting the first two pieces together. You get these two, first two pieces together, the rest of it will come together. You don't get these first two pieces together, no matter how hard you try, the rest of it's not coming together. First two pieces, you, Jesus. All right? So every day, every circumstance, Jesus, I'm walking into this conversation. It's you and me. And if it ain't you and me, it ain't coming together. But if it's you and me, some, something will happen. Eventually, it'll come together. So I am us. God is a relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He made us for relationships. All of us need, in order to personally grow in Christ, a spiritual family that will sustain us and encourage us. And most of us do not have that. We need a spiritual family that knows us. I am convinced you cannot be fully discipled by people who don't know you. By people who don't live in your world. By people who don't see you every day. I'm totally convinced of that. So all of us, this is our spiritual family, but we need a smaller iteration of the spiritual family. We need an us, an us who will sustain us, who will support us, who will develop us to grow in Christ. And we're in the midst of putting those together. We want to, get, we want to make sure you have an us. Now watch. It doesn't stop there. See, if it stopped right there, you'd all be dead. Let me tell you why. 
If it was about A, you and Jesus, as soon as you accepted Christ, he'd have killed you on the spot. Because if that's the fulfillment of your life, getting saved, those of you who are saved, your purpose is up down here. I'm taking you to heaven. All right? If it was all about building a spiritual community, again, as soon as you got a spiritual community, he'd take you to heaven. Because you know what? Our spiritual community up there is going to be way better than our spiritual community down here. So why stick around down here? There's no purpose. No, the purpose is them. We've got to be for them. Our purpose is not us. The relationships you've given are not about the relationships you've been given. They're about someone else. Love always wants to include those who are not yet included. And God is love. And that's why we're still down here because he cares about those who are not included as much as he cares about us. That's why we're still here. That's our purpose. Them. Them. That's why half of the Bible says, go ye. All right? But here's the last piece of that puzzle. And the piece I'm going to preach on today. We, we need to be for them, with them. In their world, there, where they are. We don't expect, we don't need to expect them to come where we are, either geographically or biographically. We need to go where they are, which is exactly what God did in the incarnation. Emmanuel was his name, God with us. He came down to physically be with us. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, you know, everybody likes to hang out where they're nice and safe and at home and everything's familiar. Don't you think Jesus was having a good time in heaven before he got down here? <laughs> you know, he was in the form of God for crying out loud. Counted equality. Did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to but emptied himself taking the form of a bond servant being made in the likeness of men there you go he came to be with us in all of our limitations when we go to be with people we've got to be with them in all of their limitations all of their limitations this is what it says in John John says in verse 12, as many as received him, when he was physically here, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. And I want you to remember this. He had a gift to give to those people who received him, who, who, who wanted to be with him, and he with them. He gave them the right, exousia is the, is the Greek word, it means the power to become the children of God, even those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Flesh with flesh. Person with person. Do you know how we learn? 
I mean, how we, how we learn most deeply. It's not by um, concept. It's by example. It's by example. It's not by learning, it's by love. When God wanted to pull people into himself, he didn't send a concept, he sent a person. That's important. Guess how he still does that? He sends people. That'd be you and me. That'd be you and me. I heard a story once about a man to whom, to, uh, in whose community missionaries had just come. And I can't remember exactly where this was. It was in Tibet or some, some parts of India. I can't remember what. And, and, and anyhow, he just watched it. He just sat in the village. Just sat in the village. He watched these missionaries for months and months and months and they went around and they explained how God loves them and, 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 and explained these different you know, understandings of God and, and so on and so forth and, and just loved on the people and, and served the people and so on and so forth. One, somebody who knew this old guy, this old guy had a reputation for being very wise. And so they were wondering if, if they were starting to change their mind about, change his mind about who God was. And, and, and so they went up to him and they said, so what do you think about what they're saying? And he said to them, I'm not listening to their words. I'm watching their lives. Do you understand? It still works like that. People don't care what you know about God. But they want to see God in you. They want to see God's care in you. They want to know God's care in you. It still works like that. So we have to go be with them there. That's, that's the command of Jesus, by the way. Remember when, the, when all the disciples were, were, were huddled in this, in this, you know, in this little room after, after they crucified Jesus. And they didn't even know he was resurrected. They were scared to death. They were scared to death. And they remembered this wonderful one who had walked among them. This God-man. This one who had literally touched them physically. And hugged the children. Let the little children come to me. For to such belongs the kingdom of God, he said. They went to the sick and he touched them. And he went to the crazy and he touched them. And he ate with them and he laughed with them and he grieved with them. He went to their funerals and he went to their weddings and he went to their work. This Jesus went into that room to this little huddled mass of believers. And this is what he said. John chapter 20, verse 21. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. See, Jesus still does that. He still touches. He still hugs. He still laughs. He still grieves. He still eats. He still goes to places of people's work. You know how he does that? That'd be through you. 
That'd be through you. When people have experienced that from us, they've experienced it from him. You have a great gift to give. And many times you don't even realize it. People don't even realize this. No matter where you are listening from, you have a great gift to give. As a matter of fact, the writer of, of, of Romans said this. For I long to see you. He's writing to somebody who he knew. And he wanted to go visit them physically. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to be with them there where they were. And this is what he said. I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. That you may be established in Christ. That you may be established. Do you know when you're with people, they get established in Christ. Because when you love them, they begin to partake of the power you have in your life. And the love you have in your life that came from Christ. And so you gotta, gotta go be with them. Gotta go be with them in their world. Now, let me, let me give a word of, there's always a word of caution here. There, there, there are two caveats here. Number one, God doesn't send you to everybody. To everybody. God sends you to people who you will have an impact with. There are people you will never have an impact with. And it's okay. Pray that God sends someone else to them because you ain't it. And you'll be much happier if you don't try to be it. If you've tried several times and it, it don't, you know, I, I, I remember this teacher, uh, the story about this teacher, fourth grade teacher, and he was, she was teaching uh, her kids, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I can't remember what, what age it was, but she was teaching them how to write paragraphs. You know, you have a topic sentence and then every sentence in the, in the, in the paragraph is supposed to relate back to the topic sentence and so on and so forth. And so she said to the, her class, she said, I want you to just write me a little love story. Well, the boys in the class go, you know, just gagging. Except there's little Ricky, you know. He just, he just got right to it, you know. He took out that number two pencil on that yellow pad, you know, and he just started writing. And in five minutes, he was done. The rest of the class just writing away and you know, they get, you know, they're scratching their head and they're, you know, he done. He got his pencil laying down just sitting there. Teacher looked back and said, Ricky, are you done already? He said, yes, ma'am. She said, could I read your story? He said, oh, yes, ma'am. She went back, picked up the paper. It was three lines. His story was three lines. She read it out loud. He said, will you marry me? She said, no. And they lived happily ever after. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's okay if it doesn't work. Both people live happily ever after. It's that way in the world. There's just some people. You know, you're not going to be the main witness to it. It's okay. And the second caveat is this. You can't go be in a place that will bring you down instead of lift them up. If you have a problem with an alcohol addiction, don't go into a bar to witness. Wrong atmosphere, okay? If you got, I mean, if you got, uh, you know, I could, well, I could go down all the names, but you, you get the idea here. Don't go into a place to be with them that will bring you down instead of them up. Those are the two caveats. But let me, let me counter that now. Just because a relationship is unpleasant or you think 
somebody doesn't really want to hear about Jesus Christ, don't kid yourself. Because as I said last week, the, the, the stats say that most people who don't have a spiritual family would love to have one. Most people who aren't included in a spiritual family right now still believe in God and still want to be closer to him. No matter what they look like, no matter how rough their life is, don't be put off just because somebody's life is a little rough or their language is a little rough. You know, years ago when I was starting a ministry, I've told you about this place in southern Indiana where I ministered. And we had, there was a mixture of three congregations. There was an African-American congregation, an old retired railroaders congregation, and, and a, 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 a small farming congregation, an agricultural congregation. We all mixed together. We were having a ball. Having a ball. But I got to tell you, these old white mechanics, a lot of them Nordic, were just as rough as a cop. And their language is as rough as a cob, you know? They weren't a religious type at all. Well, one, one of these guys had to be put, he was in his 80s, he had a stroke. His wife, his name was Stuart, his wife's name was Olga. <laughs> I love that name, Olga. And, uh, um, and, and as, as strong as she was, she couldn't take care of him. And, and the kids were all, you know, his, all of his kids were, were occupied. They couldn't come. And so they had to put him in a convalescent center until he got stronger. Boy, was he mad. He was furious because here's one of these strong, independent guys. Didn't want anybody to help him. And now he was just helpless. And he couldn't even be in his own home. And people he didn't know were coming in his room. He was furious. Now, as the pastor, as his pastor, of course, I'm going to go visit him. And I know. When I walk in that room, he's going to be mad. I know that. I had no idea of the kind of language that I would hear. Now, I, was, I used to be a cusser myself, so I know a thing about cussing, a thing or two about cussing. I'd never heard anybody that knew cussing like this guy knew cussing. I, I just breached the threshold of that door and he just started cussing. He cussed the doctors. He cussed the nurses. He cussed the nursing home. He cussed the entire healthcare system in the United States. He cussed his, he cussed his wife. He cussed his relatives. He cussed, he cussed everybody. Cuss, 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 cuss. And finally, he just had to take a little breath. And so I, see, I knew how to handle this. I'd been to seminary. I had taken pastoral counseling. So I, so I looked at him, I said, Stuart, what I hear you saying is you're angry. <laughs> Buddy, I just pressed the nuclear button. I'm telling you, his head almost exploded. Don't you try that blankety blank psychology on me. He cussed me, he cussed the church, he cussed, he cussed. Finally, he had cussed so long. And I got to tell you, it was a work of art. This cussing thing, every word made sense. It all connected. I'm thinking, this guy knows the entire language. It, but he was so tired. He's 80-something years old. Finally, he just got done. He was just worn out, just, just tired of cussing, you know? And so he just, he was just breathing. He just finished. Finally, I said, well, Stuart, you want me to pray for you? He looked at me and said, of course I do. I'm not an atheist. I'm just mad. <laughs> you know, the world's not an atheist. They're just mad. They're just disappointed for crying out loud. Just hang around. 
You know, there'll be a time when they'll say, yeah, I, pray for me. Come on, let's, let's go that direction. You know when Jesus went to the Zebedee boys? This is in Matthew chapter, chapter 4, verse 19. He looked at them and he said, follow me. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Do you know what they did? They left what they were doing and they went physically with him and they watched him do what he was doing. They were just with him. And half the time, he'd turn to them and say, you do this. You know when the 5,000 were hungry, they came to him and said, should we send them away? He looked at them and said, no, you give them something to eat. They were thinking, ah, uh, is there not anybody more qualified than I am to do this? And the answer was, no. You're qualified, not because of what you know, but because of who you're connected to. Not because of your ability, but because of his ability. Not because of your power, but because of his power. You are way more qualified than you would ever guess. Because Jesus is qualified to do his ministry through you. And what you need to do is to enter into someone else's world. Most of you know the, re the way I came to Christ is I had, a, I had a friend who years before had come to Christ. And he never lectured me. He'd never badgered me. He was early, early on, we, we, we were cussing buddies. We would cuss together because that's how we felt old. And one day he just stopped cussing. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, I, I received Christ as my Savior, and that's not my language anymore. Well, I started cussing. I said, you've got to be kidding me. He said, no. But he would still walk with me every day to school. I, didn't, I wasn't ready to repent. I was having too much, way too much fun. We went all through high school together. And to watch this guy's life, he didn't do anything really well. We played football together. And I was pretty good at football. He never made the first string. But listen to this. I never saw a day that this guy didn't give 100% of his effort. Never saw it. And I kept thinking, that's awesome. What's he got? I would have quit by now. I would have way quit by now. What's he got? And in the back of my mind, I knew what it was. He had the faithfulness of Christ. He wanted to serve the team, no matter how good or bad he was. He wanted to serve the team with 100% of what he had. And I so admired that. And we went to college together. And we roomed together. And when I learned that I would be an alcoholic if I drank, there were a few times in college where one beer, I got a lampshade on my head. I just can't, I just can't drink. And so I, I drank a beer, had a lampshade on my head, and, and I'd come back just really embarrassed, but not a word of condemnation. Not one word. He helped me be sick. He sat with me when I had a headache. And finally, I came to my life, came to a point in my life where I turned to him 
His name was Mike Armstrong. I called him Army. And I said, Army, I want what you got. I want what you got. I don't know if I'd ever gotten there if he'd have tried to lecture me or told me how to live life better or told me how I was coming up short. I don't know if I'd ever gotten there, but I got there because he just entered my world with me. He lived life with me. Do you understand how this works? What do we need? We need to be willing to be sent. Not just to be with people, but to be sent from God. We need to love God and them at the same time. At the same time. Do you remember what Isaiah, where that passage in Isaiah, where, where, where this, is, this is what the voice of the Lord is saying. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I go? Or whom shall I send? I'm sorry. Who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. Do you know why I'm a pastor of your church today? Because I had somebody who loved me enough to give up all forms of security to come down here with me. I was the senior pastor of one of the largest churches in Indiana. We had everything, including three small boys. I was part of a denomination that owned everything we had, but it was okay because they offered us every form of security we wanted, which is important for a mom when it comes to her kids. But God began to deal with me. And one day, Becky said, you need to go away and listen to God. And I said, you want to come along? She said, no, you don't need to listen to me. You need to listen to God. So I went away and God said, you're going to walk away from all of this. And I'm going to start you all over again. I went back to that house. And Becky greeted at me at the door with our three small sons standing by her. And she said, what did he say? I didn't want to tell her. I mean, they owned our house, they owned our insurance, they owned our pension. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. We had no money, no security, except in that denomination. But I looked at her and I said, he said, we've got to walk away from all of this and trust him and start all over again. She didn't even hesitate. She said, you give me two days to pack and I'll follow you anywhere. And let me tell you why she did that. It wasn't just because she loved me. It was because she loved God. And she wanted to be who God needed her to be in our relationship.
when we go be with people in their world as God's representatives, God's ambassadors. It's not just that we love them well, it's that we continue to love God well. You do that, it'll not only change your world and their world, it'll change the world. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Apply it to our minds that we might not grow shallow. Apply it to our hearts that we might not grow cold. And apply it to our feet that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. Would you all stand for the benediction? Let me tell you, since, since Vernon has already given you the prayer of salvation, um, blessed are those of you who said that the first time and have a new life. If you want to do what I said, if you want, if you want practical ways to do what I just said, there's three basic ways. Number one, if you just want to get started in, in developing a spiritual relationship out of your normal relationships, start going out with somebody and just have a, a, a lunch with them and, 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 and let us know and we'll send you a scripture and a question. You know, just ask it. Would it be okay if I, if I read a scripture during our lunch? 90% of the people go, absolutely. And then ask, a, we'll send you a question to ask just so that you can get into a deeper conversation. That's called a nine-week feast, by the way. A meal, a scripture, and a question. We've got 150 groups doing this right now. or well over 1,000 people. If you want to join in, you can do it, join in at any time. It doesn't have to be nine weeks. It can be three weeks. It can be the rest of your life. It doesn't matter. But, but it's a really neat way to spiritualize your normal relationships. All right? Secondly, if you want to learn more about distributing the church. See, the church, this is the, this is the key. The church is going to take a different form, an additional form. No matter where you are, your relationships are gonna form a church. That's called a distributed church. And we will equip you to be the spiritual leader in that church. And, 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 and so if you wanna learn more, you can um, um, listen to a live webinar uh, on Wednesday nights at 8.30. You can get it on your iPhone, wherever you are. You know, it is just explains. It explains why we're doing and what we're doing. Or the other thing is you can read about the basic philosophy and the steps at our uh, Distributed Church uh, website. Um, DistributedChurch.com uh, is the website. And you can read the field guide. And it'll, it'll just show, you know, we're a field-based church now. We love this. This is our huddle. This is where we come and get the plans. You know, you may watch a, a football game later on today. I don't know whether you will or not, but you could. They would be really, really messed up and lose everything if they didn't have a huddle before they went out for a coordinated effort to make a difference. This is our huddle. We will always have the huddle, okay? And no matter where you are in the world, you, you're in on the huddle. You've just heard the play. You've heard the play. You've heard the plan, okay? Now we're going to go execute. But that's what, that's what we're a field-based church, and so that'll, that'll kind of get you uh, there. 
Uh, now remember, before you go, we have a prayer team in this room. Uh, we have, um, um, if you came in with a burden, don't leave with it. We bear your burden. That's what a spiritual family does. The <clears throat> Bible says bear one another's burdens. It's what we do. If you need prayer for healing, we have elders that will anoint you with oil. Pray for your healing. We see, we see healing often. Uh, and so they'd be glad to do that as well. You, you, those of you worshiping online have an online minister. Uh, would love to pray for you also. But let's go forth from this place. Love people just like they are. Love God just like he is. Watch what happens. Amen.